This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Yourself in our lives, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So today, uh, uh, we're starting a new sermon series today. And uh, one of the things that has just been a thing for me, uh, maybe because of my research background, uh, I ask a lot of questions. You know, I ask questions of myself. I ask questions of God. I, have, I ask questions of scriptures. And one of those questions that I ask from time to time is why did God create the world? Believe me, as simple as it seems, it's a very valid question. Why? Why, why, why was heaven not good enough? Amen? Why did God create the earth? Another question, why did God create us male and female? Remember, in creation... He created Adam, and out of Adam, he brought out Eve. Why didn't, he, why didn't he continue to replicate us like that? Just take stuff from the rib and create. Why did God create us male and female? This kind of questions are... Uh, I've not found the answer in nature. And I've not found the answer in science. The Big Bang Theory doesn't work for me very well. Think about the concept of the Big Bang Theory. Imagine that I put a dynamite in this phone and light it on fire and cause it to explode. And then the fragments from this phone then becomes new creations or new phones. That's just hard for me to believe. I can't wrap my head around such a concept. Amen? Or think about the evolution theory if evolution theory is so true that we evolved from apes, I think by now we should have evolved into something else. Amen? So that does not work for me very well. This is one of the reasons why I personally love the word of God. That's why I like to write, why I, I like to read the scriptures. Amen? Because in scriptures, I have found answers that are logical to me. You know, the Bible, yes, you need faith to believe the Bible, but the Bible is also very logical. Amen? So when you think about creation, think about the intellect of human beings. You know, there's a lot of very smart people here, uh, present here in church. 
And when I think about the knowledge that human beings have, it makes sense to me to think the one that created such an intelligent person is actually more intelligent than them. So when we look at the scripture, it helps us make meaning of life. For example, open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Talking about your purpose and why I'm here. Why we are all here. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Stop. Put yourself in the text of the scripture. And Jesus is addressing you and saying, you are the salt of the earth. He says, you, you are the salt of the earth. For me, the way my mind works, the first thing, I, I, definition, what is salt? <laughs> what does salt do? Amen. So if I want to begin to understand my purpose, then I need to begin to understand the purpose of salt. It says you, 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 you are the salt of the earth. Salt is uh, back in the day, <laughs> the way they preserve stuff was by putting them in salt. Even till today, that's why most of the canned things you eat they are salty because the way they keep them fresh, keep them preserved, is by salt. So God is saying, you are a preservative. Wherever I am, nothing goes bad. If it was bad before I came, when I arrived, it gets better. It says, you are the salt of the earth. You, not somebody you know, but you. I remember growing up, when you have a cut, one of the things we do, we put salt. We put salt. So, salt cleanses. It cleanses. It purifies. It hurts, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I saw Pastor Cole's face like, what? That's what we did. You just put salt, you know, with the blood and everything. I'm not sure about the science of this, but I think it has coagulative effects too because somehow it helps the blood to clot too. Somehow, I'm not sure. Shame on me. I'm a physiologist, I should know. But there's no fact behind that. But salt does all of that. And the Bible is saying, you, you are the salt of the world. Watch this. We also use salt for what? If there's no salt in food, what, what do you say, the, what does it taste like? Bland. It's bland. I remember making such comments recently. I was I'm like, wow, this food is bland. Why? Because there's no salt. It means you 
wherever there was bitterness, wherever everything was bland, your purpose when you show up is to add seasoning to that situation. So it continues. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its savor or flavor or seasoning? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled under the feet as worthless. Next verse. It says again, you, not somebody you know, but you, you are the light of the world. Somebody say, I am the salt of the world. I am the light of the world. So when we are asking the question, why am I here? What's my purpose? What's my life about? Why did God create me? He says, you are the salt of the earth. I'm supposed to make a difference. One of the reasons we feel frustrated is because we are not fulfilling our purpose. Many have defined success by what it is not. It says you are the salt. You are the light. If I'm being a salt and I'm being the light, guess what? I'm fulfilling purpose. Guess what? I'm successful. Whether or not I have a ton of money in the bank. That is why people that you have considered successful, many of them have taken their own lives from depression and from all kinds of stuff. Jesus was speaking to these believers like yourself and myself about their influence in the world. You and I are influential people. The Bible says it is a terrible thing for a man to be with honor and not know it in the book of Psalms. It says it's like a a wild animal in the jungle. Honor misplaced. It's a terrible thing to be with honor and not know it. I told us the last time we are Christ's ambassadors. You know, Ambassador Koye, Ambassador... See, I've forgotten your name now. Sheson, no, S. Eh? Sami, Sami, Sami. Ambassador Sami. Amen. Ambassadors of Christ. We are influential people. We are influential people. Watch this. Let your light shine and season the earth with your flavor. Is a call that Christ has given us. Amen. As light and salt, let me ask you this. Does light adjust to its environment or it changes its environment? When light shows up, darkness disappears. There is no competition. Amen? Light does not struggle to shine. Salt does not struggle to season. 
You put salt in any food. Between the salt and the food, they know what to do and make it taste good. Now, unless, of course, you put too much. <laughs> so, as the salt, if you are doing too much, instead of making it tasty, you make it salty. And <clears throat> they don't want it. So, there's balance. But watch this. So, we, we talked about a salmon series in August that we called Rooted. Rooted in Christ. Rooted in his knowledge. And we talked about the process of growth. But what I want to establish before we move on today is you cannot be an ambassador if you are not rooted. Okay? You cannot be, let me rephrase, you cannot be an effective ambassador if you are not rooted. What it simply means is you are representing your government in another country, but you don't know the policies of your government. You're going to misrepresent your government in that new place. So as ambassadors, so remember, where there was darkness, the Bible says, I am the light. When I'm the light and I come into darkness, what do I do? I chase darkness away. It says, I'm the salt when I come into a bland food, how do I make it? Flavorful. So I'm a change agent, is what the scripture is saying. You and I are change agents. Change agents, remember that. What I'm talking about, the series we're starting is titled Build, uh, Bridge Builders. Without the music. <laughs> bridge builders. Why? A bridge, what does a bridge do? A bridge connects two impossible situations together. It creates a connection from this part over to this part. And the chasm between them becomes meaningless. Why? Because there is a link now. Praise the Lord. As I was looking for the definition of a bridge, I didn't want the regular bridge definition. I want something more metaphoric, you know, something, you know, like literature. Here's what I came up with. Here's what I found. It says, a bridge, when it relates to literature or metaphors, can be used as an allegory to represent a connection or link between two separate things. These two separate things can be ideas or concepts. Amen? It symbolizes a crossing over from one state to another. I'll give you an example. She's my She's my friend. She has beef with him. As a bridge builder, the enemy of my friend is not my enemy. So they are in two different 
islands right now. They are separated by anger and bitterness. So my role as a bridge builder is what? I connect A to B. I connect the two islands that are separated because of whatever ideology or whatever is separating them. So as a believer, as an ambassador of Christ, my job, my role is to connect and link up different concepts or different ideologies and bring them together. So it is okay that you don't believe what I believe. My job as an ambassador is to be a link between you where you are to where you need to be. Isn't that what Jesus did? God saw that we were struggling. We just did not get it. All the sacrifice, the lamb, the goat, the, the bulls, and all of that, all of that sacrifice could not atone for our sins. So what did Jesus do? He became a bridge. He died. He offered himself and connected us back to God. The gap, the separation that was between us and God was eviscerated. Why? Because now we have a bridge. Now we have a bridge. Over the next uh, four weeks, we'll be looking at how to mend relationships and build bridges. Bridges from despair to hope. Bridges from pessimism to optimism. Bridges from anger to serenity. Bridges from division to unity. Bridges from discord to reconciliation. One of the things that troubles me a great deal is when I see factions in the church. We're not talking about unbelievers now. We're talking about people in the same church that lift up holy hands, but they don't talk to each other. Demon chasers. Holy Ghost, talk, uh, Holy Ghost talking. Believers. But they avoid each other. And guess what? Because he's my friend and he's not talking to her, therefore I can't talk to her. In fact, his my friend is not talking to her. I don't mind talking to her, but he minds me talking to her. We're not talking about strangers. We're talking about believers. What do they say? Charity begins from home. Before we take the gospel out, can we start in-house? Can we start in the house? Yes, sir. The first part, we're going to be talking about forgiveness today. Forgiveness. Do you know, in many ways, in our world today, 
it's almost like our system, our society encourages unforgiveness. You don't believe me, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. If someone does something wrong on social media, what do they do? Say It's not a trick question. They cancel them. Cancel culture. They cancel them. The question I have is, have you ever done anything wrong? Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you cancel anybody, is a cancel culture. Before you cancel anyone, well, I know you know what I mean by cancel. Uh-huh. So nobody misunderstands me. Before you cancel anyone, ask yourself, have you ever done anything wrong that you should have been canceled for? Forgiveness. Let's start by establishing that we all need forgiveness. Romans 3.23, you know it very well. It says for everyone, somebody say everyone. I love the scripture. You know, sometimes we tend to lean towards certain things that make us feel good. But the scripture, if you read it all together, is very balanced. He said, for everyone, everyone, everyone has sinned. So you might go around feeling very sanctimonious and uh, say, we are the holy order of the redemption of the whatever people say. He said, everyone has sinned. Everyone. No exception. We all, somebody say we all. We all. We all. We all, we all fall short yes. of God's glorious standard. Nobody qualifies. Not you, not me. Nobody. No one qualifies. It says everyone sinned. Everyone falls short. So we are all in the same company. Everyone. Everyone. That's important to note. And then you jump. <laughs> Remember, everyone has sinned. Then Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Follow me. Follow me. The wages of sin is what? Let me ask you. What do you deserve? Are you dead? No. Thanks be to God. It says the wages of sin is death. And remember, we said all have sinned. So we all deserve to die. Boy, this stuff there. <laughs> you know? That, that, that's why, you know, it's one of the reasons you have denominations and sects and you have different churches. And, because... People like to emphasize what they like. But that scripture did not stop there. It says, for the wages of sin, say it now. Yes. But, it didn't end there. It says, but, you know, English is not my first language. But, anywhere you see but in a statement, it cancels what went before it. That's right. That's right. It said, but the gift of God. 
is eternal life. The wages of sin is what? But the gift of God, the free gift of God is what? Eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's let's continue. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Watch this. Isaiah 53 verse 5 and 6. Isaiah 53 verse 5 and 6. It says, so eternal life through Jesus, this is what it means. This is how we got to the eternal life through Jesus. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and 6. He said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of, for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All, somebody say all, verse 6. All, somebody say all. All we, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Including the sanctimonious ones. It says, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The bridge that Jesus made for us to connect to God, he paid for it with his own life. The Bible says, he that knew no sin became sin. So when there is beef between A and B, you have done nothing wrong. Become the sacrifice to mend that relationship. Don't be an instigator. Listen to me. Forgiveness is a work of grace. A gift deeply rooted in love, not the offender, not the severity, or otherwise. Watch this. What do I mean by that? About when did Jesus die for our sins? About about 2,000 years ago. Walk with me. Walk with me. I'm not tricking you. <laughs> I'm asking you questions. You know the answer. Jesus died about 2,000 years ago. How many of us were around then? So before I imagined to repent, he paid for my forgiveness. Yes. Hello? Before I could say I'm sorry, he already forgave me. Forgiveness is not about what they have done to you. Heck, forgiveness is not about the offender feeling remorse. Many of us, you are saying he's not remorseful yet, I cannot forgive him yet. I have to deal with him and let him know the severity of his offense. Excuse me. When Jesus died 2,000 years ago, about, did you know the severity of your sin? He paid in advance for it. 
as a child of God, as an ambassador for Christ, as a representative of God, it is important for you to know that forgiveness is a requirement in God. And God... Siri, nobody is talking to you. <laughs> and he went ahead and played it. <laughs> Watch this. Let's read scripture very quickly. Romans chapter 5, 6 through 11. I am not doing good on time. Romans 5 from verse 6. It says, when we were utterly helpless. Are you, re- are you seeing this? When we were utterly helpless... Christ came just at the right time and died for us sinners. Whilst we were utterly, it didn't say seemingly helpless. He said we were cluelessly, utterly helpless. And just at the right time, Christ died for us sinners. Verse 7. Now, most people will not willingly die, uh, will not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He offered us forgiveness. Well, we were yet sinners. He didn't say go clean up and come back. He offered it to us. Watch this. Is somebody following me? Verse 9. And since we have been made right in God's sight, how? By the blood of Christ. We were made right by the shedding of blood. He died for us. He will certainly, somebody say certainly, save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still sinners. It keeps re-emphasizing it. Be careful not to forget this. That he did it before we repented. He did it before we changed our mind. He did it. He says, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through his son. Look. God wanted a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. And because of that, He made Jesus a sacrifice to atone, to build a bridge between us and himself. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. It says, in this is love, not that we loved him, or loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son 
to be the propitiation for our sins. What am I saying? The summary, if you don't remember anything, I'm going to close shortly. The summary is God forgave you. And you didn't have to ask for it. God forgave me. I didn't have to beg for it. He did it all by himself. And offered that forgiveness to you and I as a gift. Here what where it gets crazy. He didn't say do anything. He did everything. He forgave you. He forgave me and packaged the forgiveness as a gift. Nani. It's an end. Nazi. Nadine. Nadine. I know it's an end. He packages it and gives to you. And say, Nadine, this is the forgiveness I have paid for for you. The only thing you need to do the only thing I need to do is to accept what is already done. That is what is so crazy. Why would anybody not accept that? There's a story. I'm not going to read it. When you get home, please read it. In Matthew 21 to 31, the king and his servants. This is Jesus illustrating forgiveness to his disciples. He said there was a king. I like the New Living Translation of this. There was a king. One of his servants owed him millions of dollars. He made it more contextual for us. Owed him millions of dollars. And to get his money back, he says, go sell him, his wife, and his children, whatever you can get from that, let him redeem some of his debt. And this guy was begging. This guy was wailing. This guy was crying. Have mercy. Don't do this. Don't do that. And here's what the king said. Watch this. The king... Uh, the man fell and uh, watch. But the king, but his master, then verse 27, thank you very much. But his master was filled with pity for him. I think this is uh, New King James. Uh, can you give NLT? This is NLT. Let's look at New King James. He said he had pity and he had compassion on him. Oh no, that's another story. He was moved with compassion and released him. Let me ask you a question here. The forgiveness, what was the base off of? Why, why did he forgive him? Huh? Compassion, love, what else? The reason he forgave him is not based on his offense. 
it, it was not based on how much he owed. So it's not a lot, let me forgive him. No. The reason he forgave him is because of compassion in his heart. The forgiveness is not based on the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. It was based on the compassion in the heart of the master. Remember the story of the prodigal son. The Bible says this young man went to his father while the father was still alive. He said, give me the inheritance that belongs to me. May we not have such a child. Thank God it's a parable. That's a child that can kill the father. He said, you are taking too long to die. And I want to inherit. <laughs> I don't want to get old before I chop this life. He said, give me the inheritance that belongs to me. And the father obliged. But you know what? He left and he saw when he suffered and came back home. Let me read this to you and then I will close from there. Watch this. Luke 15 from verse 18. Luke 15 from verse 18. It says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned both against you and heaven. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So he returned home. Watch now. Watch closely. Don't miss this. We read too fast. It's the reason we don't understand scripture. So he returned home to his father. And while he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Did the son apologize? Did the son repent? Before the son could repent or ask forgiveness, the father already forgave. The question I have for you this morning is, who made you so mad? That I say I cannot forgive. Wow. Who angered you so much that you said we can only settle in heaven? Imagine this boy told the father to his face, since you have refused to die, give me my inheritance. And then he went away, squandered everything. Half his wealth, he blew it up in flames and comes back home. The father did not wait for him to say, Daddy, I am sorry. Don't, I don't want to be your son. I want to be your slave. He didn't wait for any of that. He ran. This is an elder statesman. He ran, ran, embraced his son. And loved on him. Friends, if your sin and my sin were to be put on a measure, none of us can stand before God. 
But before you could repent, he died for you. And he offered you salvation. I want you to rise to your feet this morning. Being a bridge builder is a decision. It's a decision. Say, until I see remorse, you are not Christ-like. If you are insisting, until I see remorse, I will not forgive. Until they come and bow to me and say this and say that, I will not forgive. That is not Christ-like. While we were yet sinners, he forgave. Believe it or not, there are children that are not speaking with their parents. They are mad at their parents. In quote, you might say rightfully so. There are parents that have no relationship with their children. There are husband and wife, they do a show in church. On the drive home, if you can put a camera in the car, you'll be shocked. Because everybody just face your face and they drive. But in church, everybody, <laughs> in fact, they hold hands. <laughs> Fake life. With every head bowed, every eye closed. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.